Welcome to this week's edition of Earth Matters, covering local, national and international environmental issues from a grassroots and activist perspective. My name is Anya, and on today's show, Earth Matters is looking into the recent reapproval of the Adani Carmichael coal mine in central Queensland and the environmental groups resisting the mine. The Carmichael Coal and Railway Project involves building Australia's largest thermal coal mine in the North Galilee Basin, approximately 160 kilometres northwest of Claremont in central Queensland, and is to be linked by a new 388-kilometre rail line to a new terminal at Abbott Point Port. The McKay Conservation Group and the Australian Conservation Foundation are two groups fighting the mine. On October 16th, the federal government reapproved the Adani Carmichael Coal and Railway Project. Federal Environment Minister Greg Hunt, or Minister for Coal as some like to call him, released a statement of reasons for the approval. In response to the reapproval, the Australian Conservation Foundation this week launched a federal court challenge to the Environment Minister Greg Hunt for reapproving the mine. Their argument centres around the burning of the mine's coal, which would contribute to climate change and affect the Great Barrier Reef. But first, a little bit of history and context. The Adani Carmichael mine was originally approved in July last year, but had its approval set aside because it failed to consider two endangered species, the ornamental snake and the yakka skink. On the 12th of January this year, the McKay Conservation Group, a peak environmental group in the McKay region, Queensland, filed an application for a judicial review of the approval decision. I spoke to Patricia Julian from the McKay Conservation Group in Queensland to hear about the case. So Patricia, as we know, the Adani Carmichael mine was initially approved in July 2014 and then in January 2015, um, the group that you're a part of, the McKay Conservation Group, began a legal challenge of Minister Hunt's original approval of the mine. On what grounds did the group file that legal action? It was a judicial review. We, we can ask for that. I think Hunt issued it anyway without being asked. And when we scanned it and went through it, um, we found that he hadn't shown that he had had regard to the conservation plans for the Akaskink and the ornamental snake. They're threatened species, so... On that basis, we went back. We went to the court asking for um, the decision to be overturned. But in the meantime, his staff had acknowledged that yes, that that they hadn't shown that in the judicial review, and they went to the court and, and decided not to proceed any further. So, with that, the um, minister uh, withdrew the decision. Mm and had to go back and revisit it. Mm. Could you tell us a bit more about the, the two endangered species, the ornamental snake and the yakka skink? The ornamental snake you only find in the Gilgai, the cracking clay soils that we have up here, and it likes to go down in the dry season, down in the cracks to where the frogs are. And the yakka skink you find in riparian areas along creeks. And the thing is, with the coal up here, it's all located along stream beds and floodplains. So if you're going to be clearing hundreds of thousands of hectares, you're certainly going to be impacting those two species. So on October 15th, just last month, the Minister for Environment, Greg Hunt, or Minister for Coal, as some activists like to call him, um, has actually approved the Adani Carmichael mine. How will this affect the ornamental snake and the yakka skink? Well, 
these are two species that again and again and again I see impacted when mining developments occur. So over time, the species will uh, decline even further, basically. Now, they've got the offset plan in place to try and compensate for that. What they do is they take an area where the that's habitat for those two species, they take areas and then they put those aside from development for the life of the mine and that's supposed to compensate for the taking of habitat where the mines are. Is it enough, but do you the, think? Not really. No, I'm not impressed at all. There's been a lot of um, research by ecologists around the world and also at University of Queensland that shows that uh, there's a lot of uh, gaps and holes in the biodiversity offsets plan that they have and uh, they've never really been shown. They're fairly new, but they've, they haven't been really shown to actually work and they're not transparent to the public. There's a, the, the, the plate, the, where the offsets are located is often not, not um, published and uh, there's no way the public's got that, you know, access to oversight of if they're working or not. Mm. So the offsets are based on an estimated uh, natural rate of decline. It's assumed that there's a natural rate of decline of, of biodiversity going on anyway, and that if you have a big mine, it will increase that rate of decline. So what they're trying to do is have an offset that will maintain the current rate of decline so it's compensation so that the impacts of the mine don't increase the rate of decline. That's the concept. But whether it works in reality is another question. It's my understanding that the McKay Conservation Group were also concerned about uh, climate change and how the mine's impact on climate change wasn't considered? Well, the emissions from the mine itself would have been extensive and annually quite high and so um, we asked that that be considered as well but uh, the fact that they withdrew totally from the case uh, made all of that a moot point Mm -hmm. so we could no, no the court proceeded no further because the whole thing was withdrawn so that's still it's sort of still in the air that the fact that those things haven't been addressed and maybe again raised when when we look at the second decision and decide whether we'd go back to court or any other group might go back to court on, on these matters. Mm. So could you kind of describe um, a bit more about what your concerns were? What were the group's concerns about the climate change impacts? Was it just about the emissions from the mine or was it other things as well? Uh, Well, the only thing you can consider in Queensland are the emissions, or in Australia actually, are the emissions from the mine. You can't consider the emissions during the transport of the coal uh, once it leaves Abbott Point, for example, the port of Abbott Point, that's kind of a no-man's land. That trip from the coast to the destination can be many, many hundreds of kilometres, but um, under international law, those emissions are not considered, and they can be quite substantial because they're heavy, you know, they're very heavy coal ships, and they use a lot of power getting to their destination, so the emissions will be quite substantial. And you can't consider the emissions in the place of, of destination. That's supposed to be the receiving country's problem. That cuts out most of the emissions that would come from the mines. I think the, the 10 
proposed mines for the Galilee Basin was about uh, somewhere between 3 and 6% of additional emissions uh, that would put us closer to the tipping point for the 2 degrees rise in temperature. So there's a lot of concern about the emissions when the coal is burned contributing to us crossing this tipping point climate change. At the global scale, that's, that's a big concern. It sure is. So the mine's obviously been approved. What's what was the McKay Group's McKay Conservation Group's reaction to the Adani Carmichael mine being approved last month? Well, obviously disappointed, but not not unexpected given the attitude of the state and the federal government. So no surprise in that direction. But the main thing is we're concerned about is accountability for the decision and making sure the decision is made according to law. And uh, we will certainly be scrutinising this second decision and uh, so will other groups. Hmm. One of the statements of the of reason that Minister Greg Hunt offered when they approved the mine um, just last month was that there was no way to prove that the Great Barrier Reef would be affected by the mine. It's about 395 kilometres from the coast, so it, it, it isn't close. The, the problem is that they allow releases into the during flood times of floods. They have a, a solution to pollution is dilution concept that mm. came out in the 1970s, and they seem to be practicing here where they say, well, you can, they tell the mine, well, you know, we know you might get flooded out in these big floods. Uh, you can have what we call controlled releases into the waterways of your wastewaters, given um, that the dilution factor works and you're not going to exceed the standards, the water quality standards. But that, that's all very fine and good. That might work during the storm or the flood. But what you're getting is you're letting... You've got a lot of heavy metals in that wastewater, and that's heavy metals are part of coal. Mm. So... What happens is any of that coal matter that gets out into the environment does not biodegrade. So over time, if you're doing multiple releases, these things build up and Mm. they also bioaccumulate up the food chain, heavy metals. Mm. So what you're getting is a slow release of these slugs of pollution that eventually will be moved by the water because the waterways go down into the reef. So it may take 100 years, may take less, may take more to reach the reef waters. But eventually they will do that. And I guess aside from that even, um, the climate change impacts of the mine and the emissions that will happen once the coal gets to India will have an effect on the Great Barrier Reef anyhow. At at that large scale, that um, um, global scale, yes it will. Uh, because our laws are so limited, they are not able to address this issue. Um, they're limited to the boundaries of Australia. Outside of the boundaries of Australia, um, they accept no responsibility legally. Morally, um, it's not right, but legally it is. So it's really a matter of political will and changing our laws. If you've just tuned in to 3CR, you're listening to Earth Matters, produced on the land of the Kulin Nations and broadcast across this beautiful country on the Community Radio Network. 
We just heard from Patricia Julian from the Mackay Conservation Group, which is a peak environmental organisation in the Mackay region in Queensland. They're one of two groups which have been fighting the Adani Carmichael mine. Up next is Basha Stasak from the Australian Conservation Foundation. In response to the reapproval of the Adani Carmichael mine, the Australian Conservation Foundation just this week started a federal court challenge against the building of the mine. On October 15th last month, Federal Environment Minister Greg Hunt approved the Adani Carmichael coal mine up in Queensland. Following the approval of the Adani mine, Federal Energy Minister Josh Frydenberg said that there was a, and I quote, strong moral case for the mine to go ahead, saying that it will help boost living conditions in developing countries around the world and pull people out of what he calls energy poverty. So, Basha, it was only a few months ago that the Adani Carmichael coal mine wasn't approved and now it has been approved. What sort of happened there? You know, Minister Hunt was given the opportunity to not approve it uh, the second time round. He he did approve it initially, but then um, it was found that he had made an, an error in, in the way that he'd made his approval, and so the decision was set aside. So he was given the opportunity, he was given the second chance to take a different course this time, mm-hmm. um, and he chose not to do that, and that's incredibly disappointing, but in our view, it's also grossly irresponsible. The world is headed to Paris, the, US, uh, the UN climate talks, and you know, we're trying to limit, the world is trying to desperately limit uh, global warming to under two degrees. And at the same time, we have our government approving the biggest coal mine in Australia, or what's um, predicted to be the biggest coal mine in Australia, which is going to be responsible for a massive amount of uh, emissions. And so it's grossly inappropriate that the ministers decided to, to approve this mine. The mine also um, presents an incredibly significant risk to, to water resources, um, and particularly to the water tables that farmers also in the area rely upon, because it's going to deplete an incredible amount of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to several species, uh, threatened species, that are found in the area. Uh, when it was first going to be approved, they didn't approve it because of a number of these threatened species, the yakka skink and the ornamental snake. Um, That's right, yes. Yeah, and so now that they've approved it, they're saying that the mine is subject to 36 of the strictest conditions in Australian history. But I actually haven't been able to find anywhere, you know, what are these strict conditions that they're talking about? So, yes, the minister sort of come out and said it's 36 of the strictest conditions, and that's actually an incredibly concerning statement because we've just had the black-throated finch, which is one of the threatened species. They have a recovery team, so the scientific team is responsible for trying to ensure that that species doesn't go extinct and to try and um, get the numbers up. And this team's come out and said that if this mine proceeds under these conditions, then that species is seriously at at threat of going extinct, going extinct. So it's incredibly concerning to hear the minister say these are the strictest conditions, and yet these conditions are actually unable to prevent one of the species from going extinct. Now, Minister Hunt's made this approval under our, envi- our national environmental law, which is charged with, in part, protecting threatened species. Mm. Um, and so there's something seriously going wrong if the minister's actually unable, under these laws, to protect the species from this project, if he approves a project that seriously threatens that species. It kind of sounds a bit like lip service saying, you know, the strictest conditions in Australian history sounds a little bit like the terms you hear when people talk about uranium mining, you know, world's best practice. And it's kind of giving giving this kind of confidence to the project and, you know, giving the, the public some confidence in, in the project as well. Um, do you think that that sort of political, political wording is, is, is at play here? 
I think the mine's been given an incredible amount of discretion. Um, the miner Adani's been given an incredible amount of discretion to run this project. One of the other tweaks in the in the conditions uh, has been around what they can and can uh, can't approve uh, or change without the minister's approval. And we've actually seen some changes since the original approval in those conditions to give them l- more leeway in terms of making changes and then having the minister uh, just letting notifying the department that they've made those changes. Mm-hmm. They don't need to go back and get, we're going to make this change, let's get reapproval. They just need to notify that we've made these changes. So they've been given a fair amount of discretion to, to sort of proceed with this project and, and what environmental conditions are set on them, mm-hmm. which is, you know, Adani doesn't have the greatest uh, environmental record in India. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's concerning to be given that amount of leeway and then come here. Um, and run this project when it presents such a significant threat to our environment. You're listening to Earth Matters, local, national and international environment news from an activist and grassroots perspective. You're currently hearing from Basha Stasak from the Australian Conservation Foundation about their federal court challenge, which they just launched against the reapproval of the Adani Carmichael coal mine up in central Queensland. Um, the National Australia Bank says that you know they're not they're not going to put in any money and they're not going to fund it. Who, where is the money going to come from? That's a that's a really excellent question. Uh, it's not clear where the money's coming from. The the major banks that they've had on board, um, both international and Australian, have walked away. Several Australian banks has also have also ruled out funding the project. There was a proposal at one point for the federal government to provide some of the funding, but they seem to have stepped away from that. I mean, it'd be highly, I think, inappropriate to see the Australian taxpayer uh, paying for a commercial, a major commercial project. Mm. Um, so where the money's going to come from, it's, it's not clear. Uh, we're not seeing anyone jump on board and want to fund it. Mm. Uh, so we know just Adani's obviously looking for, for investors. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, I read in the Sydney Morning Herald on October 18th that yeah, the NAB said it would not fund the mine and other banks are also being pressured by green groups to not get involved. Well, so far, certainly banks aren't putting money into Adani. Um, I think certainly the pressure from NGOs and we're seeing you know, pressure from the Australian public um, is, uh, is helping, um, mm. but I'm, there is obviously a merit of other factors as well. Yeah, the, the um, coal price is slumped quite a bit. Is that part of it as well? I think that, you know, the banks are making a decision. They're looking at all the factors and they're clearly going, we think this isn't, this isn't viable. We think that this isn't worth funding. And they're, and they're stepping away from the project. The fact that they aren't even able to get one bank on board mm. um, is, is, you know, says it all, really. Resources Minister Josh Frydenberg says, he said a couple of things. Um, I'll go through them. <laughs> um, so one of them is he told the ABC's Insider program that the mine would create hundreds of jobs. Is that a possibility? Any major project is going to uh, create some jobs, um, but there was a claim, and I think this has been repeated a few times since, of this 10,000 jobs, and that has been very explicitly refuted um, in a court case, in a Queensland Land Court case, where they were, Adani was asked um, by the court, you know, how many how many jobs, and, and we're forced to say, well, we're looking at probably about 1,467, which is quite different from 10,000. Yeah, that's a huge. It's um, a huge figure, ten thousand, and yeah, in other reports, more conservative, it says hundreds of jobs. So yeah, I mean, obviously there would be hundreds of jobs, um, but whether it's going to be ten thousand is, you know, disputable. Exactly, and we need to be looking at with Adani and, and the coal. Coal is is something we need to be stepping away from. We need to be preparing ourselves for transitioning to renewable energy, um, and the renewable energy industry does provide jobs, um, and that's the direction that Australia needs to be taking.
Mm. One of the most concerning comments that I've heard Resources Minister Josh Frydenberg say is that uh, the mine, the Adani Kamaka Coal Project, um, has a, there's a strong moral case for it. Um, and he, he's saying that it would help pull millions of people in India and other countries out of what he calls energy poverty, um, which seems, you know, a, a bit uh, odd given, you know, everything, the Paris climate talks that are happening soon. Um, and he has basically been saying, you know, recently I went to APEC and G20 and people are saying how much, how many people in the world don't have access to electricity. Um, what do you say to, to that kind of comment? Mm, this, isn't, this isn't the first time we've heard this statement. It was made in August um, when um, Tony Abbott was still Prime Minister. Um, and at that point, we actually had the Indian, uh, former Indian Energy Secretary come out and say, well, that's... That's not quite accurate. In fact, the, the, the way that India is headed is towards renewables. And the reason for that is because coal uh, power requires quite centralised infrastructure, which then all the um, houses need to be plugged into. And most of India's energy-poor population actually live in the rural areas. So they're not anywhere near this giant infrastructure. And so solar panels or other forms of renewable energy where you don't have to have that central major grid, but you can actually take that out into the community and set it up there is actually a far more efficient and far more practical choice and far less expensive for India. And that's the direction that India is heading. And that's been um, backed up by the International Energy Agency as well, who mm. said exactly the same thing. So they're heading towards the renewable energy direction yeah. for the sort of energy poor of, yeah. of India. Yeah. Um, and it is also really irresponsible, I think, to talk about powering um, you know, developing countries when with, with coal, basically, when those are the countries that also will be quite affected by climate change, what we'll see in the next few decades. Absolutely. I mean, that's certainly, uh, the, you know, the poor are unfortunately at the most risk of climate change impacts. And this is going to significantly contribute mm. to, our, to our emissions. Yeah. So in response to the reapproval of the Carmichael mine, uh, the Australian Conservation Foundation have actually just launched a federal court challenge. Is that right? And, and uh, what can you tell us about this? So what we're going to be arguing in court is that the ministers failed to consider whether the impacts of climate pollution, um, which is, uh, resulted from the burning of the mine's coal, is inconsistent with Australia's sort of international obligations to protect the Great Barrier Reef. The Great Barrier Reef is a World Heritage Site and we have a we have a obligation to protect it and conserve it. Um, and obviously, what the science is telling us is that over the next few years, we're going to see a real decline in the reef um, because of climate change. Um, a spokesperson for Adani said in a statement that the federal court challenge is just a bunch of politically motivated activists seeking to endlessly delay the project. We're not interested in, in delaying the project. We're interested in stopping the project. The project is part of the Galilee Basin, and the Galilee Basin um, is a, as a massive, um, what we call a carbon bomb, and will massively contribute to climate change. We know that we have to be looking at how we're transitioning away from coal and into um, renewable energy, and approving a, a massive coal mine, um, we feel, is just very responsible with the government, and we need to be looking at how do we transition, how do we get to renewable energy instead of approving uh, new coal mines. You're listening to Earth Matters and you've just been hearing from Basha Stasak from the Australian Conservation Foundation about the reapproval of the Adani Carmichael coal mine. ACF this week have launched a federal court challenge against the reapproval of the mine.
Thanks for listening to Earth Matters This Week on the Community Radio Network. I'm Anya Andest, and today on the show we heard from Patricia Julian from the McKay Conservation Group and Basha Stasek from the Australian Conservation Foundation. To find out more, you can go to Australian Conservation Foundation's website, acfonline.org.au, and you can also go to the McKay Conservation Group's website, which is McKay, M-A-C-K-A-Y, conservationgroup.org.au. And if you've missed some of today's show, don't forget that our podcasts can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. Earth Matters would also like to thank the good folk at the Community Broadcasting Foundation for all their hard work in getting this program out to you, our listeners. Earth Matters was produced in the studios at 3CR Radio in Fitzroy, Victoria, on the Kulin Nation. Our contact phone is 9419 8377 and our email is earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and join us again next week. This last song is by Empat Lima, a local Melbourne band.
That was Betty Davis by Empat Lima, a Melbourne local band.